1: training tuesday 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 i think it was probably a year ago maybe a year and a half we did we played psychologists or psychiatrists for each other we did dr bracken and dr kirk
0: do you remember that uh, i do and it and it came with very mixed reviews i believe as far as listening i only perception. remember it
1: being positive <laughs>
0: I, uh, I had somebody, I was at the Florida Jacksonville race and somebody pulled up next to me in a hotel parking oh, lot and right. was like, yeah, that was a little too fluffy for me. I had to turn it off or something. It was too woo woo for me. And his wife's like, no, I loved it. Yeah. And then the wife was like, no, no, it's great. So anyways, there was some mixed reviews. Put your feelings away, lace up your shoes and
1: run Kirk. Yeah.
0: Suck it up. There's no room for feelings here. Well, I need Dr. Kirk today. Mm, okay.
1: And it's nowhere near as serious as what we did last time. But maybe it will be. I don't know. I need your professional opinion on something. I have ha- been having. Well, I'm not a
0: psychologist, so my professional opinion in this is not professional. Put on your your glasses. Okay, they're on.
1: Throw on your card again. All right. Let's roll.
0: Turtleneck, actually, but go.
1: I have been having a reoccurring dream, or a variation of the same reoccurring dream, since about as far as I can remember, at least middle school. Hmm. That that alone is is weird to me. I've had one as well, but um, continue. Maybe we'll swap roles next week. It's some variation of the same issue. I'm always at some sort of athletic event. Sometimes it's practice. Sometimes it's a competition. Sometimes it's a championship event. And in the middle of it, sometimes it's baseball. Sometimes it's basketball. It's always a ball sport or gymnastics I don't have that anymore I used to have gymnastics back Mm. when I was in gymnastics but something where I need my hands at some crucial point suddenly my sleeves are too long and they're down over my hands (laughs) and then they're too constricting I can't get them back up as the ball is coming towards me (laughs) (laughs) that is bizarre and it used to be I would Like, wake up as the ball arrived.
0: You'd be so in such panic that it would wake you up because you couldn't, you couldn't like catch the ball or receive the balls.
1: Yeah, just a terribly helpless feeling, realizing, like, oh, I have no hands. Mm -hmm. I can't get my fingers out and use them. And then it progressed over the years to now I end up just having to play like that. Like, your hands in a mitten trying to play basketball or baseball or football or whatever it is. And and then sometimes now, like last night, I was able to get my hands out through my sleeves momentarily, and then the next move I made, they just like whoop, got sucked right back inside my <laughs> sleeve, and it's really just it's a helpless feeling. I've been having this dream for at least uh, at least twenty five years. Wow, I, with no amount of consistency. I don't know what triggers this dream, but. I had it again last night and it went on for a long time. Mm -hmm. And it combined with my other reoccurring dream, which is where there's a competition I have to get to and some roadblock keeps popping up in the way and I never quite make it to the start line or to tip off or whatever it is. The game got rained out in the middle of it and then it was brought back on and I couldn't get back to the court for the start (laughs) of the second half. So it was both of my panic dreams in
0: one, which I've never had before. So this was a basketball dream? This was a basketball game? It was basketball last night. And did you wake up from this as a nightmare again? Like it was like, oh my God, this is so intense that it woke you up? Or no, now you can sit in it. You recognize it in the moment in your dream that this isn't real or it still feels very real. Because sometimes you can take that step back in a dream and actually realize it's a dream. I'm going to roll with it. And then sometimes you can't. It's not
1: a nightmare anymore. It's just a frustrating experience. But last night I had the first occurrence ever where... I was trying to dribble with just like my palms, <laughs> and I thought this is so weird. This only happens in my dreams.
0: The image of you with these floppy sleeves hanging down over your arms, trying to be out there on the court, is very, <laughs> very amusing. I, I mean, I can take a step back and tell you clearly what this is about. I think. What is it about? Is it impotence? Tell me, it's not impotence. No, I think I think it's. Uh, <sighs> okay. I think this all comes back to tiny hand syndrome.
1: <laughs> no come on I think, all right let's start our episode I,
0: I think that it's been recognized from a young age that your hands are smaller than the average man's hands and and the sleeves slipping down over them is just this cuffed restricted feeling you feel with these little crab claws you're working with <laughs> that's hurtful that's outside the box that's not what i expected to
1: hear uh-huh. There's one flaw with that, though, is that my hands were always proportionate until I moved like past five, nine. And since I grew late, I didn't know that they were so tiny until I grew taller.
0: Your hands don't look small. It's your hands, you only realize your hands are small when you put them up next to somebody else's hands. You look like a normal human. Yeah. You would never know that. But that's all I can come up with, Bracken. Um, hmm. Or uh, you know the the governor of life is on you for some reason. Somebody's going to write in with a novel, and you're going to be you're going to have to you're going to have to deal with it because you just put this out there. That's what's going to happen. Well, as you started talking the first
1: time with the small hands issue, I realized that you go to someone seeking a validating truth, but then, like you said, now you have to deal with whatever comes back your way. Maybe maybe this is the sign of something horrendous that that I'd
0: have to deal with, and I shouldn't have opened this can. I used to have this dream as a kid that I would be walking to school and realize I forgot to put my pants on. And so I'd mm-hmm. be walking in and have no pants on. and be, like, so embarrassing, and it would usually wake me up. And that was in the Zuba era, where the Zubas feel like you're not wearing pants. And so I would often be walking up to the entry door in elementary school and sometimes middle school, and there'd be a slight breeze, and I— like for momentarily be like, Oh my God, I didn't wear pants. And I'd have to look down and check in real life because I had that dream so often. And then I also had this wow. dream where this big, scary green monster was chasing me down this deep ditch alongside a highway. And he was like a 30 foot monster and he was chasing me and I was running and running and he always caught me and he always grabbed me and he always lifted me up to eat me. And I always woke up at that moment as soon as he got me in his hands. Haven't had any of those in recent years, but I used to have both of those a lot when I was younger. All the way into high school. That's it. The no pants one is probably like the most common reoccurring dream ever, I have to imagine. Yeah.
1: Yeah, when I was teaching, I always would have a dream and I'd be in the middle of the lesson and the principal would walk in to observe me randomly, which they do. And I'd realize in that moment I was naked. (laughs) It's a weird thing that we do there. And then you'd have to come up with some way to cover it or explain why. And in the dream, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very strange. But yeah, this one, 25 years of this dream.
0: I think if you could come up with a cover for this episode with you, just with an extra long t-shirt on hanging over your hands, if you could, I don't know how good you are at Photoshop, but that'd be pretty cool. Um, it would pique listener interest, I think. Um, probably. You ran with your wife this morning. I saw, um, yes. so we were having this conversation off mic before we started today, and I really enjoy looking at your wife's, uh, your wives, your wife's that implied very different things <laughs> your wife oh yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we we practice polygamy huh right let's just make sure you' everybody knows you're joking um anyways her graphs are very uh f- like enjoyable to look at I- you didn't say what you just said I enjoyed looking at your wife's oh your wife's your wife's strava graphs because they're very satisfying okay. they they hit some sort of like receptor in my brain that like symmetry and like organization because she does this thing where she wants to run every block in the city, I believe. So she checks them all off. So they're these very segmented routes, little tiny cubes in these like sections of town in which are these like square blocks. And so they come up in these interesting patterns all the time. And I enjoy that. And you ran with her for one of these this morning and you said it kind of takes a while. Well, it's a weird, it's a weird
1: type of run. So for her, I think her mind is more like yours than mine. She and I have very different perspectives on most things. Mm-hmm. But she has that, it's like it's satisfying for her. Like move up a block, over, down, over, up, over. Or check this off. It's it's part of the process. It's it's not work, but it's there's something sequential about it where I like to go get lost in a run. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's very different for us. I we always get done and I think, wow, that we got more than I thought, or we're done already, but the middle. I think, how are we only two miles in? We've made like 800 turns already. (laughs) So? It's just a different type of running that I would choose for myself. But with the kids back in school, I think we've talked about this, but Lisa and I ran together pretty much every day since we started dating in college. And then when we were a married couple, we ran every morning before work together. And then once we had kids, when she was back able to run again, I pushed... Uh, Braden in the stroller, and we run every run together. And if we didn't, she'd come to track practice with me after school and run mm. with the team. So we we our, re- our relationship really is one of the foundations is running together, and we haven't done that with any sort of regularity in years now. But with all three kids finally back in school as of two weeks ago, our goal is that I can work my schedule a little bit so that my mornings are open to, to run together, at least like four days a week, my non-quality sessions.
0: That's great you guys have that. Mm -hmm. Jess and I run together occasionally when I want a true recovery day and she wants to push. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't quite align on the pacing as closely as you two do, Um, but this brought up something. We're going to dive into a few things today, but this brought up something interesting because it sort of spawned what some of the things we're going to talk about today, but I asked you if that was satisfying to you or how you felt about that type of run. This again was off air before we started recording. And then I got curious, like, is that what it Lisa needs to get out the door and stay motivated, right? Like, it's so satisfying to check the boxes of the streets and work on a long-term goal, which is, like, literally covering the entire city of Milwaukee. I don't know how what her real goal is there. Uh, is it that big? Like, cover every dang city street? One uh, As many as
1: safely possible. Okay. Within reason. Because with- we have some pockets you just really aren't making a great choice to go run, mm-hmm. especially solo. So she's why part of the reason we chose the neighborhood we ran today, which was not a great neighborhood for most of it, was that she was saving it until we could run it
0: together. Mm-hmm. I like that. Smart. But it was, okay, is this part of her shtick? Like, is this part of her hook to keep her motivated to put on her shoes every day and go check off a new route? Like, is that is that part of her psyche? 100%.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She, uh, go back and listen to her episode if you haven't, but she runs for her sanity, basically. It just mm-hmm. balances her. Her day gets started with a run and then she's on the right path. Uh, but because of that, she, not maybe because of that, but along with that, she doesn't like racing at all. In fact, it is a terrible thought for her to have to race. And she doesn't like, scripting out quality workouts because it gives the same feelings of pressure and something like impending doom waiting for her if it doesn't go well. So she just runs every day. And so she finds other ways to make running more than just a, like a medication also Mm -hmm. to find it enjoyable. So she stumbled upon this thing called city strides and it is a website that's in development and still the guy's still building it out. And he like, she'll interact with them. She'll say, Hey, I went and did when we were in, in Ireland, we did this, the city of Hoth that's not on there and he's like oh yeah give me like 48 hours and he added that to it so it tracks where you've run via gps and then shows you what percentage of wherever you are you've run and it gives you a nice little satisfying map of the streets you've completed versus not completed so that she was just like out of a cannon with that stuff
0: so will she like drive to a certain point from home start where she left off and just go figure out the most efficient way to not like double back. Cause if you're going back and forth on some streets, you're going to have some overlap, minimizing the overlap, maximizing, maximizing the streets covered, but always ending up where she started. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. So she, she started by doing the things she could hit from home and eventually got to the point where she couldn't get a new street without doing longer than a nine mile run. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, I'm just going to, I think today I'm going to drive to this neighborhood. Like I'll park in this parking lot and go, is that okay? Like, yeah, of course go for it. And then now it's to the point where there's nothing, she hasn't run within like 15 miles radius of our
0: house. So she's driving every day to go somewhere. She'll once in every o- single morning. She won't run from home anymore. She still does.
1: She like yesterday we had thunderstorms and we had got back from camping and she wanted to fit something in before the Packer game. Uh, so she just left from the house and ran got around it. here. But on a day where she wants to get some streets, yeah. So it's like she went and did. She was doing Brookfield and she completed Brookfield and she went and did. Uh, well, like greendale and greenfield and she's done elm grove she'll she'll pick a city Mm -hmm. and whenever she's in the mood to do a a city stride run she'll go back and work on that one
0: i love it that very much works with my like type a compulsive personality without question and this brought up like creative ways to keep you on the hook or kind of keep you motivated like we thought we would just sort of spitball today about little tricks or nuances to keep you on the horn right um And something like that. What is it called? City? What was it? City strides. City strides. Something simple as that would work for me. I know it would work for me if I was struggling with motivation. If I was more of a like, God, I dreaded my recovery runs and I couldn't get out the door for them. It'd be a great opportunity to do that, for example. So there's got to be other websites out there for that, too. I would have to imagine. Probably.
1: And then this one now has added global rank. So there's like 80,000 or 40,000 people who are actively using City Strides. And it shows you where you rank in terms of global percentage of streets completed.
0: Mm. There was this uh, this woman, a little younger than me. I'm guessing she's about 30. I followed her on Strava for a while until I didn't. But uh, this also worked for me. But uh, she ran in penis shapes. Every day. I saw that. Yes. Yeah. And and I'm not really into penises or anything. Lisa follows her. Yeah. But <laughs> it, God, it. You said you're what? You're not what? I'm not into penises. I'm just saying. Did you feel Did you feel you had to say that after our intro to the last episode? <laughs> I didn't listen to it, but I think I need to go back and see how that came off. But point being. I left that all in You there. did? Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. Good. <laughs> Perfect. That was a really candid conversation we had. But even that, this woman who just makes it a point to go out and run in a penis shape was very satisfying for my brain to like be like, heck, I could come up with something stupid like that. It'd probably get me out the door if I was in a slump. Mm-hmm. I, I stopped following her because it, you only see so many penises before you're just kind of like over it, right? Like it's just a penis. It doesn't do any – it doesn't move the needle for you it anymore. It didn't move the needle for me anymore. And once you've seen one, you've seen them all, right? And so anyways, I stopped following her, but it reminded me of that a little bit, Lisa mm-hmm. Strava, which is not anything close to that. But um, that was her stick. And so there's an Instagram account for this Strava user. Or maybe it's a maybe it's an Instagram account and it. I don't know what she uses, but anyways, that's her run every day, which is yeah. baffling. And I think she even makes like money because she's an influencer now, which again is baffling the way people do things these days. But I digress. Let's move on from that. Well, this, this piggybacks well off our
1: dedication versus motivation episode. Yeah, and and so it's been fascinating to watch Lisa because she's always been dedicated, but. She wanted to run a marathon for a long time, and we trained for one, and she got hurt towards the end of it, and she decided to show up and race anyway. Didn't complete it. We dropped out at like mile 16 or something Mm. like that. It's all on the episode, but point is she's always been about running, but her enthusiasm, you know, like anyone else, it ebbs and flows, and she was more inconsistent with when she would start her runs. And since she's a stay-at-home mom currently, she kind of can choose when she wants to, but that leads to its own issue. Sometimes having an abundance of time is just as confining as having very little time. But since starting this, she has a routine. She gets up right away, goes downstairs, makes her coffee, and then drinks her coffee and plans out her route. She sits there on her phone with Strava up and City Strides, and she has this color-coding system that she has where she takes a screenshot of the map she's going to run And then she does the Roy G Biv, the first mile. She guesstimates how long the first mile is, and she marks those streets out in red. And then the second mile is in orange and then in yellow. And she scripts exact every turn she's going to make. Like you said, figuring out the most efficient route to run so that you don't have to backtrack as much as humanly possible. So she's got this little, like, brain teaser every morning while she drinks her coffee of how can I... And then you'll see her, like, ah, and she'll restart and find a better (laughs) route. And that's her routine. And it gets her through finishing her coffee, and then she goes to the bathroom, and then she heads out and does her run. And it, she, in this past year now, I think it's been about a year she's been doing this, and the past year has never in her life been more consistent with her morning routine than she is right now. Like It was the motivation that got it started, and now it is just set in. This is the, this is the
0: pattern. I have a few people I can think of. I'm not going to name names, but I know they listen to this podcast that would benefit greatly from this simple, even that simple approach. Mm-hmm. The ones who struggle to get their shoes on and get the work done or find reasons for things to get in the way, working towards a big goal. And we always push like work towards a fitness goal or work towards something. But what if you don't want that? What if you just want like to be consistent? Well, then Christ, this is, this fits another box, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, were you, where were you going with that? Did you have somewhere you were going to send that off or refilling in the, in between the lines, there.
1: I was filmed in the in the gaps, but also kind of setting the stage for this little thing, which would be like the little piddly exercise for someone yeah. else, or even like humorous. Oh, you do that? That's cute. You're just making your map again. But it it is her her, her impetus towards running, and it has set in stone some momentum. Mm-hmm. Like it got the stone rolling, and now she doesn't have to worry about it. She just wakes up and thinks, "All right, let's let's map out my run for the day." And sometimes the night before she'll lay in bed and map it out. If she has a very specific route she wants to run, but it is, it's the thing that she has turned to, to get her out the door. And, and we have done that in our careers Mm -hmm. and we've worked with people who have their things. And I, I want to just lay those all out there as a follow-up for people who are like, okay, I get it. I need to be more dedicated, but how, what's Mm -hmm. the catalyst going to be for me?
0: The reward system. It's like, even though that may not look like a reward, it is very, I mean, is completing a puzzle A reward, not really, but why are puzzles so popular? Because it's rewarding to see the finished product. And so really she's feeding into her own like little serotonin receptors with the reward system. The reward is that graph is satisfying. And when I look back, Mm -hmm. I've completed this entire puzzle. So what she's really doing is she's created like an interesting reward system for herself. It's like, you know, dog does a dog rolls over, gets a treat. Like that's kind of what she's doing in her own way, which sounds bizarre, but it's true. And so really what you're honing in on with like the streets thing is a reward system style, whatever that needs to be. Yeah. For her, the satisfaction of doing it and seeing it is enough. Um, do you have any other examples that you can think of of like a uh, a reward system or style that would get people out the door? For example, for example, <clears throat> now I haven't been doing this recently and my running is going well. But um, when I was running, writing in my running log, which yeah. I haven't been recently, so yell at me if you would like.
1: It's because you're not scripting workouts. You're just you're just training
0: by it's feel. It's working right now. But I had my three colors. I had my color-coded pen, you know, and I, I took that from you. And uh, it was so satisfying at the end of the week to see, like, my quality session in red and my recovery in green. And my. it was just like I looked at it, and I was like, that's worth it right there. Look at how beautiful that looks. Anyways, that'd be another different version of that example. You were going to say something.
1: Yeah. I was going to say that I – typically don't come up with ecosystem plans like she has a self-sustaining ecosystem she gets done with a neighborhood and it leads her to the next neighborhood and what it does now is it takes her further and further from home and that means that she's seen new areas that she's never been before and so there's that exploration feel along with Like, hey, I found this thing about my city I didn't even know about. And she's always, if you follow her story, she's always posting pictures of little parks she never knew about Mm -hmm. and murals and things like that. Those move the needle for her. So the more she does, the more she's excited to do. So that's like that self-sustaining ecosystem. I typically ebb and flow with motivation. So I just need that quick little, like, lighter fluid. Mm Mm-hmm. So I come up with little things to get me out the door. And then once my training block started, then just the excitement of hitting big workouts and quality sessions gets me through usually. But the one I did, I should say two. The first time I had to do this was when I was trying to add in cross training. I decided I wanted to double every day for a year. And so I did a lot of morning bike sessions or incline hiking sessions. And I started watching TV shows. I just picked a show that had like seven or eight seasons. I think the first one I did was Arrow (laughs) on the CW. Uh It was on Netflix. That's
0: that's the network I used to host on. That's right. I always feel really proud when I hear somebody follow a CW network show because we were the little guy. So way to go, Bracken. Deep down, that's probably why I started watching. I mean, I had to talk about Arrow. uh, Before we even knew each other, we were kindred spirits. Oh, of course. We We had to cover our shows. That's right, we did. But continue.
1: So I watched Arrow. It's, it's, I don't
0: know. At the time,
1: there were probably five or six seasons. Just every morning I went down there and I just bike or hike for, you know, there anywhere from like 48 to 55 minute episodes. And it got me into the Arrow universe and got me, all right, well, I would get down there and bike the next day. And I wouldn't let myself watch, like to fall asleep or in bed at night. I only could watch it on the bike or on the incline trainer. Mm. And so that got me through an entire winter, really.
0: Simple as that. And then did you look forward to watching the next episode alone, which was enough to get you on the machine, for example, like your reward was instant, like literally instant. I get to watch the next episode and I was curious what was going to happen next. And this is the deal I made with myself.
1: Yeah. And what I recall is that the first season was good. It got me, like it kept me looking forward to what was going to come next. And so I, it was a reward to get back on there. And I don't remember maybe 18 or 16 episodes in the first season, but that's two and a half weeks. Yeah. That's enough to start a pattern.
0: That, um, not to backtrack a little bit, but when you said that exploration piece for Lisa is created the most consistency she's had in in this past year. Um, know what it makes me think of. It makes me think of why mountain runners are so successful at sport. It makes me think like, um, Like, if you live in Boulder, Denver, you live anywhere, really, that has access to mountains. I have athletes now, and even out east, some of those big mountains, it's the exploration piece. Every week, they get to pick a new place to explore, and that fuels their fire. It's a new experience That I think often just leads people to get stoked to get outside. Right. And of course, they're working with mountains, not city streets. And there's a lot of differences there, but there's also a lot of parallels, right? Their sense of exploration is what gets them out the door and gets that big mountain volume in because I'm going to go, my stoke birds are chirping for a new trail and they're going to go hit those things. And I think that's something that a lot of people that live in the mountains have in their back pocket that we don't even talk about the excitement of something new, they can pick something new every day. I mean, to a certain extent and kind of creating that when you don't have access to really, I don't know, inspiring terrain, we'll call it. You got to fabricate that. Like Lisa did. I'm trying to, I'm sort of trying to think like how I could do a version of that. I'll get out the door regardless, but I'll tell you what new terrain, a new place. Tell me that run does not go quicker. Than somewhere else. Oh yeah, always. Then running the same route or the same hill, um, exploring, exploring is a good way to to make it work. One of my favorite
1: things to do is to explore a section the day before a quality run or the two days before. Little teaser. So I usually have two days before a quality session. If I'm doing two big workouts a week, my two days prior, I'll often if it's supposed to be a hill workout. I'll often pick two places I think might be candidates and go explore every hill in that trail system or run in If Even if I think it's like going to be a really good, uh, pavement hill, I'll go run up and down it and down the backside and then I'll, I'll run and I'll take a split from one to the next point and then see how long it is. And then go on the backside and take another split there and then think, all right, what if I wanted to crest the hill and do it? And then I take that split and I go out basically as just like a a recce just to go reconnoiter the, the course. And and see what it's going to be, and if it's even a viable option. And then the next day, I do it on a different section. And then on the third day, I go out and I hit my quality workout. I really really enjoy that. Suddenly, it knocks three days in a row right out of the park, mm-hmm. and it's mentally engaging the whole time.
0: Yeah, exploration again. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Talking about the the like, I don't know, quick dopamine hit of seeing like how satisfying the graph looks for Lisa, for example. Uh, I got an athlete. I got two athletes. Uh, Two athletes. One for sure is doing a version of this who just struggles with consistency. And um, she has like, you know, one of those, I don't even know if they, I'm sure they make them now, but it's, it's like a big desk calendar. It might be like three foot and Mm -hmm. it has the month on it every day, just one through 30. And it's supposed to go probably on top of your desk and you just scribble on it and write on it. Well, she takes that thing to the wall. And then for every day, it's just her running log, and she gets to check the box if she's done the assignment that I've assigned for her uh, that day. And it becomes very, very uh, inspiring for her to not have to get the frowny face or the red check. Uh, as simple as that is, she'll sit there and stare at that stupid calendar on the wall and be like, Ugh, i oh, I can't not check that box. I have to go out and get it done. Something simple as that. Again, that is a reward system. It's interesting, but um, even things like that work.
1: My every single year I taught for, I had the desk calendar, and I'd always get two of them, and one was for meetings and you know IEPs and whatever else practices away away games, and the other one was for running. Mm-hmm. And it is so satisfying that big month long calendar view. So good, and that's one where you can have rewards built in, like every time you complete. A month with x number of green on it you 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 allow yourself to splurge on something Mm -hmm. you get something for the end of that like if i'm really wanting to try out a new hydration pack maybe i've got to hit 29 of the next 31 days as green and then then i've i've earned it then i can go do it whatever it's going Mm -hmm. to be you can build in reward systems with that that color coding system Yep, and that's powerful for some people if you have the the self-control to
0: hold yourself to it i used to give away stickers At the end of a workout Hmm. in the gym with my in-gym clients, I do small groups. It's three to six people. I had these pamphlets or booklets of stickers, and I'd be like, you did a good job. You did a good job, and you did a good job. You get stickers. You didn't do a great job. You did an average job. No stickers for you today. And it would start to hurt feelings, and it would start Uh to – and pretty soon I had everybody coming in working their asses up because they wanted this stupid little sticker. These adult humans who are in corporate America, professionals, lawyers, doctors, mechanics, nurses, everybody wanted that stupid sticker for me at the end. And when I didn't give it to them, it hurt their feelings. And its system worked beautifully for like a year until I decided I didn't feel like one or two people. It just didn't work for it, right? Like it just left them feeling defeated. Mm-hmm. And uh, I decided it ne- negative. But nonetheless, stickers, stickers with adult that human beings. It is funny you say that. Why? So that takes me back.
1: I, I grew up with a family called – their last name are the Memmels. I don't know if you know the name Chelsea Memel. No. She's an Olympic, gymnastic, uh, Olympic gymnast out of Wisconsin. And they started their own M M&M gymnastics, Memo and Memo. They were mm-hmm. the two coaches. And Chelsea was a prodigy from the start. Like when she was eight, she was competing elite. Like she, she was, she's a world champion. She was on the, I think she went to the Beijing Olympics or Greece, one of the two. Doesn't matter. Mm. Anyway, her co, her dad coached her, and he was just a fun guy who got that if you keep an athlete happy and excited, they're gonna perform. And the gym was just that way. That's the gym I went to gymnastics at. And his was stickers everything was stickers and then they'd go off to national team camp and he would go with her and was always allowed to, because I mean we've seen some of the gymnastics fallout that's happened Mm -hmm. in the last few years. There's, it's not a super healthy system and there's a lot of abuse. So he refused to go to camp unless for her to go to camp unless he was allowed to be there. And so they let him and he would bring his sticker book to the USA gymnastics (laughs) national team camp. And the people would like, Roll their eyes at them, and by the end, they'd come up to him like, I cannot believe what Olympians are willing to do for a damn sticker. (laughs) It's wild. They would turn themselves inside out at practice for a little smiley face sticker from Andy. And that's, and your adult clients are doing the same thing. Olympians are doing it. Like, the reward doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's the fact that a reward exists. Yeah. That you will do whatever it takes to get that point.
0: Just like the reward of. Just seeing your stupid Strava graph with a satisfying yeah. roads checked off is like a tiny, tiny reward. But yeah, In high, when I coached high school girls at West Dallas Hale, um, on quality days, I brought suckers. I brought blow pops. And if I thought mm-hmm. collectively we did well as a team, we all got blow pops. And there was a once or twice where I didn't give them away, and it was enough to keep them on the horn the next time it came around. Suckers. it's all it took. It learned how to work we hard. did pr bars mm, pr bars when I coached high school yeah we had we had uh, that back in uh, high school as well huh. like candy bars candy bars
1: yeah and it was just like the best way to start generally it was on monday it just started the week with pr bars and so funny be a thousand meters time to go to the well uh, i don't know oh man i don't
0: want to be the person left out of the pr bar circle on monday all right, let's do wild it. Wild that my coach did that is why well. I completely forgot about that until you just brought that up. What I actually, as far as keeping you on the hook, as far as um making sh- like whatever system you need to, like to trick yourself into doing the work, what I want to pivot to is we have people who simply need to get out the door, creating that reward system for yourself, like we've been talking about here for the first half hour. The other side of the coin is for the athlete who can't push like they can't dig they can't they find a they have a hard time like mentally locking in and actually getting out of themselves what's inside they're mentally Mm -hmm. weak they're soft they're wimps their their head is beating their body Do you know what i'm saying that athlete i thought we should Mm -hmm. talk about tricking yourself into working hard so to speak and I want to know if you have any things off the gun to start. I have a few things that I think, but I think that's just one end of this conversation that's very much worth exploring.
1: I My go-to strategy isn't one I necessarily want to preach as gospel on a running podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because running shouldn't be personal. You shouldn't take it personally if you're not successful, right? It should benefit your life. It should never make your life worse. But my go-to way to be tougher in a workout is to make it very personal. I'm listening to remind myself every single person around me is doing just fine with this workout. I'm quitting because I'm weak. It's not because my shoes, it's not because the workout's too hard. It's not because it hurts too bad. It's because I'm choosing to just be weak. And for whatever reason, if I internalize it and just make it as a, I am personally failing. If I don't at least hold myself to the standard that the workout demands, then I'm really just choosing to be a bad version of myself. And that's not something that I want to get out there. Like, hey, just go out there and (laughs) self-deprecate. Make yourselves feel like crap and you'll be better. That's not what I want to say. But realizing that if it's a reasonable workout, it's reasonable to complete it. Yes. If it's a reasonable workout, you're being unreasonable if you decide, you know, it just it's too uncomfortable today. If you if you quit, you have to quit out loud, and say, "I quit because I'm weak today." Is this is this decent to say or no?
0: We'll dive into that further. Like, what would that actually look like? It is Tuesday. It is a quality day, scripted, and it is one that you know is going to suck, and that feeling of dread is setting in, so to speak. Or you're yeah. like, I can push it. Like, what is actually like? How are you actually navigating that?
1: So let's go back to that 24 by 400 workout we talked about short rest 45 to 60 seconds rest and Mm -hmm. you're trying to run let's say 5k or 10k pace doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. what it is and you're telling yourself i'm here to do 24 reps if i can get more fantastic if i can get to like 18 or 20 and i'm still feeling good i'm going to start cutting down and you tell yourself that through like 8 reps, 9 reps, 10, and then suddenly at about 14, you're like, you know, if I can, 24 is really a strange number. If I can just get to 16, that's a solid 4 miles of work. And, you know, 4 miles is about the distance I'm going to be raised. I think 4 is good enough.
0: Talking yourself out of it while you're in it.
1: Yeah. You have to then counter that out loud and say, the workout was 24. If you decide to do 16, just admit out loud that you're doing it because you don't want to feel uncomfortable anymore. It's not because 16 is better. It's not because you miscalculated and maybe shouldn't have scheduled 24. 24 made sense when you weren't hurting. And now that you're hurting, you're finding ways out. Just admit it. Just say, I'm weak today. I don't want to do 24. Countering your, your internal, whatever that is, that voice that is going to really logically, seductively talk you out of the work. Just kind of announcing it as if you were commentating your own workout. That's what I like to do with myself. As if I'm watching myself run like, oh, he's deciding to pull out early today because you know what? He's just not tough enough. Your internal monologue is like, nah, 16 is good. And the announcer says he's trying to tell himself that 16 is good, but deep down, he knows 24 is really what any other athlete would do in this situation.
0: And then that works for you. How?
1: Because then I realize I have to just face myself the rest of the day. I'm going to, I'm going to drop at 16. I'm going to walk back to the car. I'm going to sit down, take my shoes off and realize I had eight more in me and I'm going to have to sit with that all day long, knowing that I got worse today mentally where anyone else who was doing a quality session today improved. I didn't. Mm -hmm. In fact, now I'm more likely to back away the next time the flame feels a little too uncomfortable on my palm. So by saying it out loud, I, I generally feel that if you can commentate out loud and hear it with your ears rather than your mind, it hits a little different. Like whatever excuse you have in your mind, I like to verbalize it during a run. And it sounds really flimsy usually.
0: Isn't that the truth though? Like once you, let's say, drop out of a time trial once, you are so much more likely to drop out again or drop out of a race once, once you open that door, once you step off the track or quit a workout a couple reps short, it, it typically isn't a trend in a positive direction. It just makes it more likely for that to happen. So finding ways to... Um, squash that in the moment is huge. So you basically just call yourself a little bitch, uh, in a sense, say you're being weak. And then you're like, like, I'm not that guy. That's not who I am. I'm going to get this done. Like you, you talk yourself out of it. You talk yourself into it by acknowledging that you want out. Yeah. Is what I'm understanding.
1: Yeah. yeah and, and, and saying it like the, the out loud piece is important for me. Like if you believe it, claim it, stand on it. 16 reps would be just fine. And if I can't say that without cringing a little bit, like if you were there at the workout and I had to tell you, would it stand up? Or would you say, no, 16 is not fine. Mm. My mind knows it when it hears it out loud. But when I whisper it in my head, it's like, oh, yeah, you're fine. 16 is really four miles is good. And if I say it out loud, my mind's like, No. You're trying to get 24 reps in. That's six miles. If you're doing a roughly six-minute pace, that's 36 minutes. 30 to 40 minutes of threshold work moves the needle. Mm -hmm. Four miles at 6 minutes pace is 24 minutes. That doesn't really move the needle for you. You're going to be way too fresh, but you get two recovery days after this, and you don't need them. You're just going to detrain. That's the process that happens after I announce shoddy
0: logic out loud. Real talk from yourself goes a long ways. I like that. Yeah,
1: yeah. If you believe it, stand on it. Shout it out with conviction. C- call your buddy and tell him, I'm quitting because this, that stands up right. <laughs> like, no, you're being weak.
0: Uh, I like that. I've never done that. I, I will say the only uh, caveat to that would be if your splits are already starting to tank because you miscalculated. Um, yeah. This is when you're talking yourself out of it. Correct. America. Correct. There's a big difference there. Yeah. And there's something to say, like people trap themselves in workouts sometimes and they're like, shoot, I'm halfway through this and I think I've overdone it. It is also okay to pivot and be like, you know what, I'm going to run two seconds slower per quarter now because the volume is important to me. Let's look at what Mm -hmm. my, you know, metabolically what's still going to be happening here and then recognizing catching and then talking yourself into staying. I mean, there's a certain point where diminishing returns happen, like if you've really overcooked and now you're just, Mm -hmm. you're bleeding from, you know. Everywhere, but point being is you can talk yourself into back into workouts by making deals with yourself too. Yes.
1: So I do that all the time in intervals when they're broken up into sets, even just sets in my mind all the time. I'll be like, fine, just make it to 12 and then you can drop. But it's that rule that, that Justin Hamilton talked about that he got from Chad, Wright, Which is you in a, in a lap based ultra, you're just not allowed to quit in the chair. Yep. You can fail out, but you at least have to get out of the chair and get timed out on the next lap. Because if you quit in the chair, you don't know if you actually were done. And that's my rule on the intervals. I'll tell myself, fine, you can just quit after 12 on the rest break. But then once I get to the rest break, I'll quit for the first half and then the second half. It's like, well, you obviously have to start the 13th. Mm-hmm. And if halfway through, you're way off pace, you know. But it's that's rarely the case, right? When you're cracked, you know. If you're not sure, you probably have another rep or two. Yeah. And if that's the point of the workout, then you're okay, so... I'll oftentimes just t- give myself an out. All right, you're quit. You're done. But then you start the next rep to prove it.
0: Um, so this brings up, there's two things I really wanted to touch on as far as how to sneak hard work out of you when you're just kind of weak. Let's just call mm-hmm. it like you're you're saying it. You just quit things or you don't push and you back off or you cut workouts short. You get the idea, folks. So. Two things, and I'm glad you touched on this because this is what I wanted to lead with, and this is doing segmented interval work. Throwing yourself a nugget every three reps, or every four reps, or every two reps. Classic example of this would be taking a traditional workout, like let's say 16 by 400 meters, just as you outlined, but instead breaking it up where every fourth rep you get three minutes break instead of one minute. And suddenly mentally you break this up into segments. You go, I just need to get to four reps and I get three minutes. And then that resets you. And then you you get two or three reps into the next set and you're like, oh, this sucks, but I just got one more and I get my big rest. What I find is when you throw, even if, who cares what metabolic stimulus you're going or what systems you're trying to work, if that big rest lets your heart rate come down too hard, if it keeps you engaged, it doesn't matter. You can do this with mile repeats. You can literally do an ascending ladder with rest in your mile re you could do a mile repeat two minute rest then the next mile repeat three minute rest then the next mile repeat four minute rest and keep giving yourself more nuggets of more rest to keep you mentally engaged is going to move the needle much further than doing i need two minutes rest between every mile interval and then you end up doing two reps and you drop like what good is that necessarily Mm -hmm. and so doing playing with your rest is actually i think the biggest way to throw you little nuggets along the way so I could give a million examples, 60, 60 intervals Well, you do 10 rounds of that. And then you get five minutes rest. Then you do another 10 rounds of 60, 60 intervals, get another five minutes rest. Anything to get you not looking at the lump sum of the workout, but segmenting it in your brain is going to trick yourself into working harder than you realize and keep you on the hook. And so however that needs to look, breaking it up into three or four parts goes a really long ways. Um, What do you think of that? Would that work for you, Bracken?
1: It would, and I want to walk through how I would then have to fight myself on this. Okay. Because you touched about, about on it. You'd say, well, I don't care what the metabolic stimulus is that you're trying to <laughs> enforce here. Well, my logical side of my brain, the weak side, when I – let's say you're doing that 16 by 400. You break it up into 4 by 4 by four, 400. Yep. So four sets of four. At the end of set three, I might say, "Ah." Oh, a five-minute rest here, that's going to lower my heart rate so much. I'm going to be able to completely clear lactate out of my blood. The next rep's just a freebie. It's not even really helping myself. It's hurting so bad now. Clearly, my fitness isn't ready for this. I should just stop because I'm really not accomplishing what I want to if I keep going, and those are junk reps. And then I have to say that out loud. My heart rate's going to drop too much. I'm not going to get anything out of the next set. Like, <laughs> that sounds ridiculous. Yeah, sure does. what's going to happen? My heart rate's going to drop. It is going to drop. The next rep then is focus on running with clean form when you're a little tired and the heart rate's going to rise right back up. If I've done already 12 by 400, one five minute rest is not going to reset me back to like homeostasis. My heart rate's going to climb right back up after that rep. So yeah, maybe I get a reprieve for one rep and then I get three more reps in the zone I wanted to be in. Three more reps than I would have had had I quit after 12. But so if I say it out loud... I can debunk the fallacy of my logic. Mm -hmm. But if I keep it in my brain, I might quit after
0: that third set. Seems like talking out loud to yourself is the key here, Bracken. Another thing that I really like to implement for people who have a hard time staying on the throttle is purposefully undulating intervals, meaning this. Let's say you are going to do your 16 by 400 meters straight through with 60 seconds rest. And that is still the plan. But... What we end up doing here is every third rep, you run five seconds faster than your baseline. And your baseline is slower than what you know you're capable of. So let's say the goal is to run five-minute pace, 75s. Well, that's what you normally would do. Well, instead, you run 74, 74. Or wait, sorry. Instead of 75s, you run 77, 77, 70. And then you go 77, 77, 70. And you're always cycling in your workouts, right? Right. Two are a little slower than what I believe I'm capable of, and then I hammer. And then I recover sort of on those slower reps, and then I hammer. So you can get cyclical with these things, which also is good at helping you change gears. But what it does is it gets you segmenting it up in your mind and just focusing on the task at hand instead of getting overwhelmed Mm -hmm. by the entire workout. That's what most people fail. They get overwhelmed by the entirety of the workout, and they get into it, and they realize they're hurting only two reps in, and they got five left, and how am I going to do this? So all it is, is just getting you to focus on what's right in front of you instead of getting lost in the grand scheme of the workout, whether it's cycling your rest or whether it's going slow rep, slow rep, fast rep, either way, it's changing your focus to the immediate task at hand, which suddenly you're like four rounds in and you're like, oh my God, I got here. Those a little mind game tricks, something to think about there. And that one's a little less talked about because we are so structured on hitting goal paces and this and that. But if that's what it takes to keep you on the hook, fine. And it's still going to be very pr- productive. So I don't know if that makes sense to you or not, or if you can see that working, but um, I found that to be true for some people.
1: Absolutely. And those little changes are what get you through a workout. Then you have reps to look forward to and reps that feel like mm-hmm. recovery reps. And it, it's an absolute game changer. I mentioned her last week, I think, but there's a woman named Cassie that I'm working with and she is pregnant. And we are approaching this training block with uh, very loose parameters on things. It's her first pregnancy. Neither of us know how she responds to this. But one of her questions that we had on one of our most recent coaching calls was, how do I know if I have a valid excuse for dropping the workout that day? Like I'm dealing with a ton of fatigue. My energy levels are really low. She's in her first trimester feeling pretty crappy. So we decided on a rule, which was, if you're too tired to do the workout, you must complete it as a nap. Hmm. Like If you're really too tired to do it, you have to replace it with a nap immediately. It can't be like, all right, I'm just going to go back and I'll probably be on my phone or I'll watch some TV or I'll, I'll vacuum. No, if you're too tired to run, you must sleep. And if you're asleep in like five minutes that was a valid excuse. Thank you for quitting the workout. Prioritize the sleep and the development of your baby. But if you're sitting there wide awake and you find yourself on your phone, you realize that wasn't a valid excuse. Hmm. And in the two weeks since then, it's been really effective thus far, which is, all right, I'm too tired. I don't think I should do this workout. I have to go nap for 45 minutes. If your body says, thank God, god let's nap she quits and she goes naps and then Mm -hmm. in the afternoon she tries to finish up the workout but if in that moment that voice in her head's like you're not gonna fall asleep right now well then you're fine and let's go let's go continue this workout so having some sort of rule in place if my calves are too sore to finish my 400s that's fine but you have to go do the remaining 12 by 400 on the assault bike yep you have to get the work done you have to replace it and if the thought of replacing it it's like ah no that's not good then you're not hurt go finish your 400s. But if you're like, yeah, you know what? My soleus is, my solei are going to be trashed. I'm going to go hammer 6060 in the assault bike for the next 30 minutes. If that's an enticing option, go get your work done. And then the next time try to make it a few reps farther. But so having that, that lit, litmus test for, is this an excuse or is this a fact is very helpful for dropping workouts?
0: Pregnant or not. I really like that. Uh, if I'm, if I'm feeling so tired that I can't, I don't feel like I can complete this workout, then I I need to offset that with the polar opposite of work, which is the purest form of rest, which is a nap. Yeah. I actually really like that. That may move the needle. I'll get you back on track faster than anything. Probably. It will more than pushing through the workout. If you truly are that tired. Um, hmm. I, I have, uh, one more thing I wanted to touch on as far as my suggestions go, as far as learning how to work hard. And that is the, uh, tightening the screws approach. um, Again, we're trying to hit these little serotonin receptors, right? Like this reward system, the satisfying graph, um, so to speak. And so the tightening the screws approach, which works for, if you're like really bad at tempo runs, meaning like you go out and you just blow up or you can't sustain a hard effort and it's a slow, miserable death every time, like you can't go out and hit like a purposeful pace, you fade home or you mentally get weak and you throw in the towel, or you simply are a positive splitter in your, in your interval work, um, Taking the tightening the screws approach, which is actually exactly what I did on my own tempo run this morning. I wanted to trick myself into working hard and it worked. Um, Is simply start at something that is a joke to you as far as pacing goes. Whether it's your first 400 meter repeat, which you know you're going to sandbag, or it's your first mile of your tempo run. Um, And then slowly but surely, just focusing on the next task at hand, which is the next mile or the next interval. And just upping the pace ever so slightly, every rep or every mile, and just seeing, yep, yep, I'm faster. Yep, I'm faster. And you're just trying to split off a little time, a little time, and pretty soon you trick yourself into really chasing the time and really going for it and really wanting to be satisfied with that progression, which is exactly what I did this morning on my tempo run. And, yes, tempo is the right word, not threshold. I went on a tempo run with a purposeful pace increase. Not looking for certain metabolic stimulus but that's besides the point so doing that starting conservative getting faster with purpose and folks people who are bad at pacing turn your watch look at it put it on the current lap projected time every watch if you put it on your current lap will tell you your mile current your mile pacing projected for that lap so there's no excuses i can't pace myself it's Just have your watch set to the lap function it's very easy it will show you exactly what your projected mile pace is And then dial in on that and nail it a little faster, a little faster, a little faster, a little faster, every rep, every mile. And by the end, you're going to trick yourself into working hard. It almost works like that every single time. You just get as much juice out of that as you possibly can. It's a really good way to do it. It's also a really good way to get in a lot of volume if you're one who cuts intervals or tempos short. Because then instead, like, oh, I only make it to 8 or 10 400s maybe this approach you get to 16 for the first time because you start slow and tighten the screws so i know i'm rambling a little bit and i made that a little drawn out but you get the point the tighten the screws approach to literally everything tricks you it's so good
1: i'm glad you brought that up it is what i am doing with this rebuild right here talked about how i'm doing two different hill reps each week one of them is like at lapham i went and did that second round of my run that 0.8 miles up recover run it flow it down each rep is designed to be faster so the first one is like a warm-up rep it's like a bridge rep Mm -hmm. and then the second rep i get into it and then the third i try to beat that time and the workout stops when i can no longer do that but you finish feeling invigorated and positive you never die you never fall off a cliff and you finish thinking like i think i could have started a little quicker and that gets you to the next workout because then you look forward to doing it better and it, it, it's open-ended on either side. You can improve. Yep. You can either start faster or you can just tack more reps on at the end. It's a super positive way of building fitness in a
0: very safe space. It's feel good and it's effective. Last week, yeah. I did not want to do my long run. In hindsight, I probably shouldn't have because I was burnt and I ended up taking a big down week because of it. But I'm going to make my point regardless. I wanted to get a two-hour quality long run done at the ski hill. And it was, I was due for a long run, and I was due to make it a quality long run. So I needed both. I hadn't done that in a couple of weeks, and I needed a second stimulus in my mind. So I went to the ski hill, and I said, my first rep, I'm going to dog, and I'm going to take lap splits every time. My first rep was 2.22 up that thing. Next rep, I said, you just got to be a little faster, Kirk. 2.19. Next rep, 2.15. Next rep, 2.12. Point being is I gamified this for myself, and suddenly – I'm an hour 20 into this run and starting now to work, like to hit my pacing. It ends up, I started at 222. I ended at 112. I cut my time in half. And I worked harder on those last two reps than I ever, ever would have done if I just made it either one, a traditional interval workout or two. I don't even know if I would have done it. I just would have turned it into a steady long run because I wasn't feeling it that day but I gave myself that little carrot. I went from 222 down to 112. And yes, I sandbagged early, but it got me volume. It left me feeling satisfied and it snuck a, work, uh, a workload out of me that I would not have done otherwise. And I tricked myself. I tricked myself into two hours and got quality in there. And it was all because I did that. And you could translate that to whatever workout you have if you feel like you're having a hard time pushing. But um, that's one recent example of what I did. So good. Yeah. Everyone can do that. So simple. That is not talent-based. No. That is just
1: mentality-based. All right. Last thing I want to say. Yep. And this is going to some people would be like, oh, well, yeah, duh, obviously. But I don't care. I'm going to say it because there's so many people who aren't taking advantage of it. Find people to run with. The very easiest way to not hit snooze on your alarm clock or not cut out of the workout early is just to be meeting people for that run. Mm-hmm. And this exists everywhere. There are running clubs in every city. And you don't have to do it every single day, but you just do it. And most running clubs have multiple pace groups. If you just have a hard time going out for easy runs because they feel like, what's the point? Go and show up for their slow group and just chat with people the whole time. And seven, eight miles is going to be gone in the blink of an eye. If you struggle with tempo runs and you're a, let's say you're a typically eight minute per or seven minute per mile runner, go join the 630 pace for the day. And just say, I'm probably going to not be talking much. I'm just going to latch onto the group and I'm going to run with them for six miles. That's going to get you through the -hmm. tempo run. Those are the ways to do it. If you struggle to find time for getting a long run in or just the mentality, like I always find myself quitting at mile 12, but I should do 14. Go meet up with a group of people or even one person who's going to run 14 and you're going to get 14 done. Use people. We are social creatures. Even if you think you're a lone wolf, you're still a social creature. Even if you don't like socializing, your body responds to being around people socially. Mm. Even if you detest being there, you'll perform better because someone's next to you. So use that. That's a way to gamify the situation. Even if you don't like people, you run faster around people than you run alone. That is just the way it
0: works. So go use that. I like that. Yeah, that's probably probably the... Most effective way is to set a schedule and Probably, a date yeah. to just, if you're one who can't get out the door, duh, you're going to leave your buddy hanging. Yeah. No, you're Absolutely not going to leave your buddy not. hanging. Not at all. No. I like that one. And make it so that
1: there's like, there's some uh, the accountability there. If you are the type that would leave your buddy hanging, make sure that you're the one driving him to the trails. Mm-hmm. Like he's going to show up at your house at 615 and you're driving him there. You, you got to set it up so that you can't fail.
0: Hey, the accountability partner thing, so to speak. I mean, I know we've talked about that recently. I have an athlete right now um, who was struggling with motivation after coming, or discipline, sorry, let's say discipline, after having COVID and then getting back to it. Our deal is this. She's got to have her workout done by 9 a.m. A screenshot has to be in my phone, and if not, her punishment is 100 burpees on video. Must be sent to me. Okay, that's fine. You don't have to do your workout. You don't have to do the agreed-upon terms, but does hundred burpees sound better? And if not, like I'm going to be very upset with you. And so far it's worked to a T she created it. She, cre- she created a, a system. She came to me asking me, okay, you set the terms. I need this. So it wasn't like I put this upon her, but anyways, even a system like that, like I'm, she doesn't want to do hundred burpees. That's scaring her enough to go do her Tuesday quality workout, which is way harder than a hundred burpees. Nonetheless, there's little things you could do that way too. And we're holding her to it. I got Absolutely. two people checking it, three people checking it in different ways in that regard to make sure they're getting their stuff done. So uh, another little trick, which I think we talked about that on a recent episode, I believe. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The lone wolf thing, but a, a woman I'm working with Joyce right now, we started up relatively recently. She just joined an ultra run group. Beautiful. So that she could better get in back to back long runs on weekends. Like if that's going to be not, she doesn't struggle with motivation. But in terms of just get out there and make the miles click away, she joined a group. Love it. For definitely for a, a solo woman to go join a group, that is a uh, unnerving process. That's not a that's not something that builds confidence to say I am gonna reach out and ask someone if I can go run with them. So the fact that she just did it is fantastic. Love it. Anything else pop pop top of mind? No, nah, let's end on that. That's probably the only thing you have to do. But the other ones, do it if you are solo.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I don't know, hopefully uh, this reaches just the right few people who need, um, you know, need some ways to get consistent, we will call it, or need ways to to find their, how to dig, so to speak. You don't always have to know your why. You don't always have to know what you're even doing at the moment. You don't have to have this grandiose plan or carrot hanging as far as a race goes or something. Sometimes you just got to show up and do the work and then those things will appear eventually, right? And tricking yourself into showing up every day, even if you don't even know what the heck or why the heck you're doing this anymore, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. Because you know you're a better person when you show up, put your running shoes on, and get your workout And You know you're the best version of yourself when you get the work done, even if there's not some big motivating factor that's dangling out in front of you. And I think if it all comes back to that, and people can realize that I don't think any single person listening can argue with the fact that you're a better human if you get your workout done and you stay the course than if you don't. Right? And if it all comes down to that, then... Do whatever frickin' trick it takes to get you to do the work, right? Simple as that? Yeah. You will
1: never regret following the plan.
0: Never. Mm-hmm. Unless it's one of those runs where you, like, roll your ankle or, like, uh, you know, those sort of things. But those are the outliers. Yeah, but at least that's external. True. You don't have to live with yourself like, well, you quit. It's like, oh, that stump got me. Ah, the damn stump. You get to pass the buck. Fair. Uh, anything else? I Any, do we got anything to share? I don't know if we do t-shirts should be in here in the next week or two. Um, I had two messages already, which we haven't put the t-shirts out, but they're going to be soft and wonderful and sweet. And you're going to love them just like always. Uh, we got to find a way to ship these things internationally. And some Canadians message me. So if anybody knows how to ship things cheap across borders, uh, let me know because otherwise we, you're going to have to pay for the shipping regardless, but we got to, somebody knows some way to get it. Overseas or over borders chime in maybe we'll just bring a trailer to OCR worlds maybe maybe I will just drive to the Canadian border which is like five hours from my house and just dump a box over there and then everybody can come pick them up I bet they work on the honor system <laughs> totally Canadians are honest people yes they are let's ride right off into the sunset room <laughs>